What's going on out there, everybody? You are listening to the Alamo Audible Podcast, brought to you by the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. This is your host, publisher, and producer, Jared Kalmus, flying solo on the show for the intro once again, as my co-host Adrian uh, continues to welcome and nurture his newborn, uh, newborn baby, Antonio, to the world. So, hope they're doing well. And I can tell you, even though Adrian has his hands full of being a new father, he is still grinding on new merch designs and, and all kinds of season prep, right? So, we're happy, uh, you know, he gets to spend this time with the family and then he'll uh, be ready to go for football season. So, uh, hopefully, you know, he's not taking it too hard on himself out there. But, yeah, we're, we're like fully pumping in for season preparation mode. Um, I'm getting to learn the new schools. Uh, the new rosters that UTSA will be facing. And of course, as part of that, we are rolling on with our AAC introduction series here on the podcast. So this is our third iteration or third entry into the series. We started things off with USF and actually had Tulane on our Patreon feed recently. So that was a great interview. Both of those got tremendous, tremendous receptions, uh, not only from UTSA fans, but also from fans of uh, USF and uh, Tulane as well, which was cool and, and, and good to see. Um, so if you're not a Patreon member, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon to get access to our Tulane interview with Maddie Hudak. She is the sideline reporter for the Tulane Green Wave and uh, just really, uh, you know, one of the most passionate Tulane fans I've, I've ever come across and super knowledgeable as well. So uh, definitely check that out. And, you know, just a reminder, the Patreon app is the best way to listen to the podcast. You'll get every episode on a single app and a single place. And as we have more episodes come out as football season starts, uh, it's going to be really convenient for you guys to have it all in one app there. Um, so without uh, further ado, we are going to cut over into our third edition of the AAC introduction series. And that is with Clip Brock. So he is a host of uh, Pirate Radio 1250, which is a radio station in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, that covers ECU each and every day. So I've been following Clip on Twitter for about a year now, and I've really appreciated his antics, uh, as well as his coverage of the Pirates. He's a, he's a really fun follow, fun guy, uh, super knowledgeable as well. So it was great to finally get him on the show, and uh, he, he threw some red meat out there for you to say fans, <laughs> which I absolutely loved. But before we cut over to the interview, I do want to say thank you to our supporters, uh, Patreon and otherwise. It's just We've really been feeling the love lately, and uh, we want to thank you guys for it. Three new subscribers this week. Shout out to the legendary Mongo Watson, who also contributes to our blog and writes some great articles. It's crazy every time Mongo writes a guest article for us, it seems to get picked up uh, by... Dr. Liz Combos, the athletic director, Jeff Trailer, head football coach. Uh, he has quite the reach on his articles. So, Margo, thank you for joining the Patreon, and thank you for contributing to the site as well. Uh, if you guys have any hot takes, opinions, uh, anything like that that you want to share with the UTSA community, please reach out to us. Uh, we have a contact form on our website, or you can you know hit us up on social media. Thank you to Philip Ballman for joining, said the booster tier as well, as well as John Peniagua, who joined at the insider tier. So thank you guys all so much for signing up for Patreon, and thank you as always to our big money donors, Ben Tovar, Rick Cortez of Reddit Road Grillers, The Bunch Family, Zach Espanacueta and the San Antonio Podcast Network, The Fikes Family, Homefield Apparel, where you can get 15% off your first order or 10% off any of your returning orders on, uh, honestly, the nicest college athletics apparel on the market. 
Just use discount code UTSA once home field to unlock those savings. Uh, you will support us as well as the Republic of Football Podcast Network. Thank you as well to our Board of Trustees members, DigiTeek, John Otwell, Lino Perez of Los Dos Rowdy Tailgating, Gary and Ruben representing the UTSA Bird Gang Tailgate, Ray Redding and Mimi Paparel, Brandon Grill in the Grill Realty Group, and Andy Elizada in Proficient Benefit Solutions. So thank you guys all so much for your support. I do want to give a reminder that every year at the start of football season, we send out a merchandise delivery to everyone who subscribes at the booster tier of $10 a month or more. So we're getting those uh, gifts locked in, designed, and then we'll mail them out in August. So A, if you're not a subscriber, you've been on the fence, it's a great time to do it. Uh, Secondarily, if you have moved in the past year, please go into your Patreon account and update your mailing address. I have like one, two, three orders get returned to sender every year. So please, please, please update your email address. Or sorry, your mailing address. If your email address changes, you can update that too. That's fine. But without uh, dragging on any longer, we'll go ahead and cut it over to our interview with a clip. I hope you guys enjoy this. And uh, we'll be back with with another one on Patreon probably in the next week or two. Uh, We're hoping to get to all the schools that, you know, UTSA was not in Conference USA with before. Uh, So we've got a few more to get through. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this series as much as I have. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. I'm here with Clip Brock of Pirate Radio 1250. Uh, Clip has gracefully agreed to join the show to, uh, you know, show the UTSA fans out there and Alamo Audible listeners uh, what ECU is all about, you know, not just as a football program, uh, but also as a university and as well as Greenville, North Carolina as a town or a city. Because uh, as I'm sure most uh, of our listeners in San Antonio can attest, we probably haven't had too much exposure to Greenville so I'm really curious to hear what the vibe is. But Clip, thanks so much for joining the show. Absolutely. And uh, not just saying this because I'm on. I've said this several times. The the school I'm looking forward to the most joining the AAC out of the new batch is UTSA. So oh, man. fired up for the Roadrunners. That's too sweet. Uh, I think every person I've had on this series has said the same. And uh, it's definitely recency bias, but we'll take Probably. it. Probably, yeah. I mean, well, very... Very it's, different experience when we joined Conference USA, so it's it's nice. <laughs> well, you've got your successful, you know, programs, especially football, but cool logo. Just mm-hmm. as a sports fan, I watched uh, a lot of games on my television of the Spurs and the Alamo Dome. So, oh, nice playing in a cool. football game there sounds fun. So, I don't know, you got a lot of things going for you. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's like a fun. I always tell people it's just a fun program to follow, even if you're not from San Antonio or an alumni or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's just cool. It's fun. We make a lot of memes on Twitter. We don't take yeah. ourselves too seriously. It's like, you know, it's easy to get on board for sure. <laughs> um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Like kind of uh, how did you get involved with covering ECU and and what do you guys have going on at uh, the Boys of Pirate Nation? Yeah, I grew up, um, my, my parents live about 15 minutes from here. I went to high school, uh, middle school, elementary school, and ECU is about 20 minutes from here. So 
I come from a family of farmers. Maybe uh, it's in the blood that we don't move away too much. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've been around. Uh, it's Winterville, right beside Greenville, my entire life, um, and I always wanted to get into sports. Played sports growing up. Growing up, knew I wasn't good enough, and always wanted to have a job in sports. So I, I, you know, work in farming with my dad. I'm in a truck and tractor a lot, and I used to listen to sports talk radio all day, whether it be you know, Jim Rome or uh, I don't know who was back in the day, Tony Bruno and just mm-hmm. even like some non-sports Howard Stern. It was always talk radio. So I always wanted to get into talk radio and uh, Pirate Radio was a cool thing. It came, uh, they founded Pirate Radio in 2003. So I was still a student at ECU at the time. I listened to it. I interned. And after graduating from ECU, I did a couple of odd jobs. I worked uh, with a buddy of mine in construction. I worked at Sears uh, until they told me I couldn't get weekends off to watch college football and NFL. <laughs> Non-negotiable, so, man. Yeah. yeah. So I bided my time for about a year and a half, two years until a spot opened up. And I've been at Pirate Radio ever since. The first pregame show I, I hosted was, uh, unfortunately, it was a tragedy, but EC was on college game day um, with Virginia Tech following the shootings in mm. 2007. <laughs> I believe. So, uh, yeah, that was my first year and I've been there ever since. Yeah. And I got to say, man, as I've kind of been surveying the media landscape out there for these AAC schools, man, the stuff that you guys do is awesome. I mean, literally daily coverage, uh, like y'all post like the video clips on social media. Some of them are hilarious. Like I really feel like once some of our core listeners that have like my sense of humor, (laughs) start watching your show and the social media clips are going to love it. Um, but man, yeah, super cool. Uh, You know, especially coming from conference USA where some schools got no coverage. I mean, if if I wanted to bring on someone from middle Tennessee state and like figure out what's going on with the quarterback battle, it it was ugly. It was ugly for sure. So yeah, yeah, definitely something that we're excited about, you know, just coming in and and being conference peers. Right. Um, so as far as like your coverage goes, what do you guys kind of do, uh, to fill like a daily slot? Because I mean, for Adrian and I running just, once a week, twice a week podcast, it's really a struggle. So how, how do you come up with something every single day, man? That's impressive. Yeah, well, you know, I got my list of regulars, which includes uh, former players, former coaches, media guys in the area, stuff like that. And then we talk about whatever's going on today. For example, interviewed uh, one of the Pirates that got drafted by the Cardinals, uh, Tyler Brott, in the MLB draft last week and talked about that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. We actually got two interns that started today. Danny Beal from the baseball team and Micah uh, from the basketball team, women's basketball team. So we talked to them as well. But um, the summer's tough, as you know, but we're mm-hmm. gearing up for football. I've had you on our show for our UTSA preview. We had, you know, Pete Medhurst from Navy, the play-by-play guy on yesterday. So it is preview football season, basically. And we're on three hours a day. Outside of that, it's national radio and, and live play-by-play of the Orioles. But as you know, we, you know, if our social media folks are always putting out stories, videos, stuff like that. So, you know how it's grown. It's a lot more. I mean, it used to just be a radio station and now we're YouTube and Instagram mm-hmm. and whatever mm-hmm. else is out there. So, yeah, it, sometimes it's tough to fill all that time, but uh, we, we come up with enough stuff to, to get by. So is Baltimore the closest MLB market to Greenville? Uh, I guess technically it'd be the Nationals, but yeah, pretty much. I, and I grew up... Uh, the Braves were the team of the South. I, I was like, I think I've seen on Twitter you're a Braves fan, which I, yeah. I would assume anyone in North Carolina is. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, 
Uh, but and we used to carry the Braves. I think it was a financial decision to to go with the O's. And mm. uh, it's been some lean summers. And I don't know how many people have tuned over, but they're actually <laughs> good now. So that's a good yeah, thing. yeah. It's just it's tough in that AL East for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about ECU, kind of like as an institution. I mean, I like I said, I've had very little exposure to ECUs just so far geographically. You know, it's not like I'll be walking around San Antonio or Houston or wherever and running into an ECU alumnus all that often. So when you talk about kind of the profile of the institution, you know, what what do people in the region kind of know ECU for and nationally as well? Uh, back in the day, it was ECTC, East Carolina Teachers College. Uh, that rolls off the tongue, though. Like <laughs> ECTC, yeah. Um, known now, I mean, very good nursing school. And uh, it's uh, also known in some parts as a party school. So uh, okay. that as well. Nice. Uh, I guess famously, it's like a myth. I, I, you should be able to look this up, but like Playboy had us in our in the top whatever party schools back mm-hmm, in the day mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it, and and Greenville as a whole is uh, it's just a really cool college town. Like I don't know about you know San Antonio. I guess you've got uh, maybe it's a mix of college and and big city. I don't know. You can tell. Yeah, me. kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's like a college city. I would say because there's a ton of universities there, <clears throat> but you don't really have like the traditional college town feel. Obviously, because it's such a big town. Right. So, and it's cool to have everything kind of right in the same geographical spot with the basketball Mm -hmm. arena, football stadium, uh, you know, baseball stadium. And people, you said something earlier where, you know, don't take yourselves too serious. I certainly don't as far as personally, but ECU Pirates do take themselves very serious. That's uh People call it uh, here the 51st state, East Carolina. You know, Dude, I was going to ask that. I literally, <laughs> I have a tab pulled up on my web browser because I saw the t-shirt on your store and I was going to ask what the hell that was all about. Yeah, the 51st state. So uh, yeah, there's North Carolina, South Carolina, and we're East Carolina. So uh, th- that kind of thing. So people who go to the school and now they're, it's a bit touchy, but, and we'll get to it probably, our basketball has been down forever. And there are a lot of uh, tar pirates and wolf pirates and blue devil pirates out there that maybe during basketball season will pick up another school that is a mm-hmm. very touchy subject and mm-hmm. trying to get rid of that. But uh, yeah, but uh, people do really, I don't know, love the the, the pirate lifestyle, the underdog, the anybody, yeah. anytime, anywhere, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, that reminds me a lot of like when we were with Southern Miss at a conference, like yeah. they were, they were never that good, but because of their history and because of their fan base, they thought so highly of themselves and they would have, you know, like a five and seven season and they would still be talking trash on social media. So <clears> even <throat> uh, like old conference USA and prim before that, oh, yeah, y'all, y'all were in conference USA at the same time, right? Yeah. ECU and yeah. Southern Miss played even before that. And yeah. I would say it's certainly not geographically, but as far as rivals go, they would be the rival because we played so many wow. good games. They were really good in football. Right. And uh, and we're somewhat comparable to us trying to to get recognized, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the bigger schools in state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So tell me more about the whole 51st state thing. Is it just like there's like a kind of a clear cultural shift between the east side of the state and the rest or what? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, I don't know how much you know about North Carolina geography, but the triangle. All I all I know is like the research triangle. That's it. Like I work in tech, so like I'm in Durham a lot. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. So uh, you got your your Duke, NC State and North Carolina. 
And then North Carolina, by the way, then really bright. It's a really cool state. We got mm-hmm. uh, the beach, we got the mountains, and then mm-hmm. you know everything in between. So uh, and Charlotte is kind of our our little big city, whatever. But yeah, everything east of of I ninety five. Um, you know, we, and, and it's a bit of a gag, a joke is that, you know, we don't take it too serious, but, uh, kind of our own state out here, our own, uh, our own deal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, with Texas being such a big state, you could easily slice it up four or five different states. Like yeah, what it feels like in San Antonio is so drastically different than Dallas, you know, so can definitely relate to that. Um, I want real quick, I was going to ask this earlier. So you mentioned like the party scene in Greenville, is it more like, house party greek life or more like going out to bars kind of deal or mix yeah. of both would you say all the above <laughs> nice all i like it so yeah i was uh i was not in a fred in fact since i'm from here i kind of hung out with a lot of my buddies from high school when i went to ecu yeah. but um good downtown scene and and of course the the greek life as well mm-hmm. and uh so yeah wherever you can find uh find a party join in and have a good time nice you know, I feel like a lot of our listeners are hearing this and thinking of Texas State and San Marcos in Texas because it is like the party school. Yeah, for us in Texas and like similar academic profile as well. You guys are just like way, way better than them at football. <laughs> I'm like, man, if Texas didn't get getting there football, it'd be such a fun school. But I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, you, you know, you mentioned Charlotte, the whole kind of, you know, vibe in, in North Carolina, right? And uh, I know they're not your favorite edition to the AAC because that's UTSA obviously but were more fans well I guess like what was the general sense when they announced that Charlotte was going to be moving to the AAC because I know you guys haven't had a regional rival um but Charlotte's like also not really a blockbuster edition you know and and really they're not much of a regional rival we're talking like uh I mentioned the Nationals earlier the you know it's closer to probably get to DC than it is Charlotte Mm, it's uh so far west but I'm fine with it. I like having another in-state school and I don't want to be a hypocrite about it. And and I feel like some people are because NC state and North Carolina looks down on ECU or whatever. And now you got some ECU fans who say, well, you know, we Charlotte is a, a newer program, you know, in football or whatever. And why are they, you know, at the same level and when Mm -hmm. we've been doing this for so long. So uh, you do have a, a contingency of people that are like that, that think Florida or Charlotte made the jump so quick that they're uh, a little upset about it. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I like it at East. This, the conference USA is so spread out. I understand why they made the move when they did in the late nineties, but yeah, it's nice, I guess, to to have a closer opponent. I think it'll be a good basketball series. Sure. <laughs> Never seen them in football. That's going to be different and uh, seen them on the diamond before. So Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, I hope it does develop into some type of rivalry, but you've got that that segment of people who are like, who for some, you know, like I said, they just think we're above Charlotte because we've been around so long. They haven't. So, right. Know. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I imagine there's a pretty good contingency of uh, ECU alumni in Charlotte, right? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. fact, uh, my stepson and I went to a Hornets game a few years ago and stopped off at a uh i guess it was the area pirate club restaurant but it was a restaurant mm-hmm. there owned by ecu folks and had a lot of purple and gold uh walk from the arena so it was really cool so yeah Man, that's awesome yeah so i i live in houston and my co-host adrian also lives in houston and it's so nice to be in a conference with rice just because like it's it's a home game for us you know what i mean like it's like yeah. one less trip into san antonio 
and so we have some geography how far is san antonio from houston about three hours okay yeah um which is close <clears> for <throat> texas I it is it is yeah it really is i mean like there's no major city in between and that drive you know it's just like pretty rural the whole shot yeah. Um, but we have like thousands of alumni in Houston, you know, outside yeah. of San Antonio, it's the second largest, uh, alumni base, I think for the school. So it's great. I mean, like we'll outdraw rice in their own stadium, which I'm sure there's a chance ECU could do the same in Charlotte. I mean, I've seen other schools do it. So it's, it's a funny, unique experience, but I definitely get the like prestige argument as well. And, you know, yeah, just, I gotta say rice is on the bottom of schools. I'm uh, excited about joining the AAC. Tell, just yeah. tough to get excited about a rice matchup. I'm sorry, man. It is. It really is. <laughs> I what I was told was that a lot of the schools, namely Navy, were really going to miss recruiting Houston when U of H went to the Big Twelve. How much of it is that versus TV markets? I don't know, but I mean, whatever. And I, I hear like the rice, uh, you know, with the academics and stuff. Got to be sure. honest, doesn't don't care. I don't. That yeah. doesn't yeah. think for me. Yeah, so, I, I get like when the Big Ten does their whole thing with their academics and stuff, but that's a whole different yeah. that's a whole different ball field. You know, it's like I'm I'm definitely with you on that. From a personal standpoint, it's great for me, but not yeah. a move I would have made. As far as Greenville uh food goes, what what are what's the cuisine like out there? You guys do barbecue a lot or uh that's where I was going is uh is barbecue now do you know what we call barbecue <laughs> no you know what barbecue is the so it's just pulled pork is okay uh yeah that was gonna be my next uh, question is you guys do the mustard on it no 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 we are uh the vinegar based area of the uh the region so okay it's uh vinegar based hopefully if you ever make a trip uh you can enjoy it but uh yeah that I was raised on that. One of the reasons I'm a fat gentleman and uh, <laughs> still eating it to this day. So. <laughs> Hell yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely looking forward to making the trip, man. It's uh, I I've just I've loved the ECU game day atmosphere since the first time I saw a yeah. game on television, like when I was in high school. So definitely looking forward to the schedule, working it out um, where I can get up there. And then, uh, you know, as You've far as like, with the uh, the Scott and Holman podcast guys, yeah, right? yeah, they're buddies of mine. Yeah. Yeah. They actually, uh, they came on, they came on a game uh, for Houston and uh, came in studio during the pregame show. Oh, wow. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Over, keep a seat warm for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Offer my own mic. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, as far as travel itinerary goes, what's like the closest airport or can you fly directly to Greenville? You can fly directly into Greenville. There's also, uh, you know, RDU in the triangle, as you know, yeah. so, which yeah. is, uh, which gosh, when I was a kid, it was like two plus hours to get to Raleigh, and uh, my we uh, took a trip last week, and it's just over an hour now. But it's still still a little a uh, mm -hmm. little ways. But yeah, we do have a uh, Pitt Greenville Airport, a smaller airport. Gotcha. So uh, let's actually talk a little bit of football on the football podcast. I guess I guess that'd be good. Uh, what's uh, maybe like a five minute history lesson of ECU football? You know how long have you guys been playing? conference you've been in highlights lowlights all that good stuff uh so well i'll kind of pick it up i guess a little before my time but uh east carolina was um well i'll go before we joined conference usa the, the pirates were an independent uh the most famous season best season was uh 1991 which finished uh with a peach bowl victory over nc state and they went uh 10 and one 11 and one that year and the only loss was the season opener to illinois on like some 
uh, a bad call, everybody says, uh, excessive <laughs> celebration penalty uh, that oh, screwed no. the Pirates on the road at a Big Ten place. So that happens. Um, but would have finished undefeated. They finished number nine in the country that year wow. in wow. 91. And then to, um, to beat, you know, an in-state P5 program. Well, yeah, it, it's I kind of the funny. Time it was different, but it's talking to you, uh, who has no clue about our like. It's a joke that we just always go back to that Peach Bowl, like we always talk about mm-hmm. it to this day, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. so so long ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, also that's interesting too because ECU and NC State had stopped playing each other because ECU won at State and tore the goalpost down, and they got mad and wouldn't schedule ECU anymore. They had to get like the state legislator involved. Oh no uh, way. Yeah, just crazy stuff. Um, but as far as the history, like uh, really good teams in the in the 80s, uh, there's a famous season. It, it was a little before my time, but I can pull it up. I think it's 1983 uh, where ECU, let's see, they went eight and three and their losses were to Florida State by one point, uh, Florida by seven. And Miami by five. Those are the only losses. Losses, and so you know they were uh, right there as like mm-hmm. one of the best teams in the country, basically losing in the top 10, 15 uh, teams there. Um, and the nineties, uh, independent. That I think they went. Uh, I'd have to look it up exactly, but it was like eight and three one year and didn't make it to a bowl because they didn't have that affiliation, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the conference. So. I think that and, you know, money and, and everything was a reason to go to Conference USA. I think at the time, too, it was to try to help out our basketball, which had been in the CAA and awful forever. And we got Cincinnati and Louisville and those teams coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I could I, I mean, in the last 20 years, it has been a roller coaster. Right. Uh, Steve Logan, one of our our best coaches ever uh, in the 90s, had quarterbacks, Jeff Blake. Uh, who actually played under Bill Lewis, but Steve Logan was on that staff. Uh, Jeff Blake, David Garrard made it to the NFL. Marcus Crandall is a Hall of Famer. He played a lot in the CFL, but those were prolific offenses. Uh, he was let go, brought in John Thompson, who was the defensive coordinator at Florida. Uh, he absolutely tanked. We brought in Skip Holtz, got back to the winning ways, won a couple championships in CUSA. I totally forgot Skip Holtz was at ECU. That yeah. just, I don't know. From there, nice. brought back uh, an alum, Ruffin McNeil, who brought Lincoln Riley with him, who's mm-hmm. where he is mm-hmm. now, had an amazing offense, uh, fired Ruff after a bad year, and then we tanked again with Scotty Montgomery, which brings us to where we are now, which is Mike Houston trying to climb back out of the gutter. So it's been like kind of a roller coaster, a couple of bad hires, uh, maybe some bad leadership. And that's kind of where we are now. Mike Houston back-to-back uh, bowl appearances for ECU. So we're a bit on an uptick, uh, uptick. but if you want to get into particulars, uh, a lot of question marks this year just with so many people. Uh, uh, a lot of departures, right? Yeah. yeah. On, on Ruffin McNeil, did you feel like they pulled the trick on him too soon? I know it's still kind of a contentious. Oh, yeah, deal. I did. I said it at the time, and and I'm glad I was on the right side of history there. Mm-hmm. Uh, was coming off a – well, so uh, Shane Carden was a great quarterback. I don't know if you remember that name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so he moves on. Kurt Benkert is the next guy up. Benkert, you may have heard of him, went to Virginia, went to the Falcons, kind of – he's now known for being a gamer more so than a really? backup NFL quarterback. Okay. Uh, 
Ben Kirk goes down in fall camp, and we did not have a good contingency plan. So we got this Juco guy, Blake Kemp, and then a receiver slash running back who's going to play quarterback for us. So it was doomed from the start. They mm. ended up winning five games. Uh, Cincinnati kicks a field goal last game of the year to beat them at the horn, and they go five and seven. There's some stuff, I guess, behind the scenes to to go on top of that, but that's when Ruff gets fired. Uh, kind of a doomed from the start, five and seven season, and uh, and he's gone. So, to, sorry for the long answer, but yes, no, that's great. I, yeah, I, I, I'm always fascinated when a G5 program fires a really good coach really fast because I feel like it backfires pretty often. It seems like it did in this case with Scotty McCarthy. But and I'll say this too: I don't know how great of a coach Ruff McNeil is, but he is. He was the, you know, the the head of it all, the head of the table. He was an alum, like mm. the most nice, genuine guy ever. And he, we lost Lincoln Riley also that year that uh, he went to Oklahoma that same year where all that other stuff happened. So a lot kind of happened there. And it would have been on rough to replace him, get some some good assistance in. But uh, but yeah, it 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 was it sucked to lose a, such a likable guy and a a guy that had also won, you know, up until that point. Mm-hmm. I know with Mike Houston, it's kind of been up and down. But my understanding is the Scotty Montgomery era was kind of a total total bust across the board, right? What, like, what were some of the issues that you faced that prevented him from executing? Hmm. Well, I didn't Scotty Montgomery. So, well, we had uh, overall bad leadership. That coaching search was very strange. I think. Like Brady Hoke was in the mix. Oh no! Um, so like my, as a candidate or like an advisor? No, no, no. As a candidate. Oh so my god! Yeah. <laughs> um, and some other names, and Scotty really kind of came out of nowhere. I guess David Cutcliffe gave him a good uh, recommendation or whatever mm-hmm. at Duke. He was the he was an offensive coach at Duke. Um, came in and just was full of full of swag and full of good verbiage and he looked the part but there was no substance zero substance at all with it so yeah uh i think was a pretty good recruiter you know they brought in some decent players but man just uh couldn't get it couldn't get it done on game day yeah gotcha that's interesting you'll have the same athletic director or new leadership now uh yeah new leadership now john gilbert uh the athletic director another name too that we had during that uh scotty montgomery time gardner Minshew. I don't know if you've seen him mm-hmm. slinging around in the NFL, but mm-hmm. before he went to Washington State and put up all those numbers, he played here for a couple of years mm-hmm. and he couldn't get it done here. You see what he's done otherwise. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like coaching shortage yeah. right there. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so as far as like uh, ECU's time in the AAC, you know, is, has there been one school that's kind of stood out as like uh, a rival? You mentioned like USM was kind of a non-regional rival. Did y'all have have had one of those in the AC so far? Uh, maybe UCF, I mm-hmm. guess. Just we, you know, played them in the the CUSA back in the day and had some uh, some good battles with them, I guess, on the field. But again, their rivals USF or other Florida right. schools like. It, it was no, that was one of the big problems with, and still is, I think, the AAC, just no real rivalry. So mm-hmm. um, I, I guess maybe it would kind of change from, from year to year. Like, a thorn in the side is Navy. No matter how bad they are, right. they can't figure out how to beat Navy. So, Yeah, damn uh, triple but, option. 
Yeah, but I mean, nah, that, and I hate that too. That there's no real rivalries. That's why um, if we play a an NC State in North Carolina during the year of Virginia Tech, somebody like that, uh, unfortunately, those games are you know more interesting than the, the conference games for us. Yeah, I mean, like if you go back like five years and add App State to the AC, would you've done it? I would, but there's a lot of folks that wouldn't because of the same thing I talked about with Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Even with them being as good as they are, it's still like, you know, the pedigree or whatever. It's just a very hypocritical way to look at that people look at it. Like, um, we hate when schools look down at us and then we're going to do the same thing. Uh, I don't, I don't do that. And not everybody does, but Mm -hmm. I would like to be in a more, especially with, like you said, I mean, App State's been really good to, to have them would be great. I would like uh, I'd like to be in a league with Coastal, yeah, uh, with the, the their athletics the way they've been. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know I, I've seen Sunbelt fans kind of fantasize about ECU going to the Sunbelt. Do you think that's any at all on the table or would be well received? No, I mean as long as the AAC is still making you know more money, right, know, right? Then then no. Yeah, well, I always like say that. What athletic director is going to intentionally take a four or five million dollar haircut on their budget? Like it's just nope. never going to happen. But nope. But yeah, I, I mean, I think ideally you elevate Coastal, App State, or whoever into the AC and get them in. You know, if there's a spot, I think that would be cool. I know Coastal's like put a bunch of money in the program. So on that, that note, how much are you looking at? Because I got to be honest, I hate conference expansion talk. It just yeah. annoys me, mostly because it's never good news for ECU for us. So I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I don't care. But yeah. I'm and then at UTSA, we just like junk, drunkenly stumble into a better conference just by <laughs> being in a major media market. Uh, we're we're like the fat chick at the bar too yeah it's fine it's cool how much are you looking at like the mountain west stuff and and those schools like you think there's any chance they are added to the american i think there's a chance just because like if san diego state were to go to pac-12 there are no obvious expansion candidates west of texas right i mean UTEP is there, but you know, it's not very exciting. So I think there's a real chance that the Mountain West would be like, okay, we lost San Diego State. And then the best that we can do to add would be UTEP or San Francisco State or call up Portland State or something like that. And then I think the TV contract would plummet. And then, you know, maybe Colorado State and Air Force or something like that might reconsider going to the AC. I don't know if it's worth it, right? But I, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's more likely than it was, you know, two or three years ago. Because like that was the original plan for Michael Resco is he was going to go grab uh, Colorado State Air Force, Boise, and like UAB or something like that, and that all kind of mm-hmm. fell apart because the numbers didn't work out. But I think if the Pac-12 does expand, that that equation could change pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I do nerd out on that stuff. He caught me there. So oh, good. <laughs> if you ever want a conference realignment nerd on the show, I'm definitely down. I like I haven't made like a fake PowerPoint as if I was pitching UTSA to the AC before they got the invitation. It's just it's sick, dude. It's sick. I yeah, I need some more hobbies, I guess. Um <laughs> fantasy conference expansion. Never heard that one before. You know, like they make NCAA football, but like you're just like the pencil pusher behind the scenes, you know, full pulling the strings. Oh, yeah. we need to put 10% more buttons to recruiting travel, you know. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's the way I think it's it's terrible um so let's uh let's talk a little bit about the team this year so ECU had a pretty strong season last year but uh from the limited research I've done preparing for the season it sounds like they lost a lot of talent right so uh, what are kind of the expectations for this year and then some of the key names to know yeah so 
man, uh, expectations are unknown. It all comes down to uh, a highly touted quarterback, Mason Garcia, who got here a long, long time ago, but Holt Naylor's kept playing and playing and playing and uh, played forever. And now, instead of Mason Garcia being handed the reins, it sounds like he's going to be in a quarterback battle with another guy that's been around here a few years, Alex Flynn, who was not as highly touted as Mason. So that is uh, a battle that apparently is going to go on in fall camp, uh, it looks like. Uh, but not only did ECU lose its quarterback, it lost Keaton Mitchell, uh, who will be he's in the Ravens uh, camp right now trying to make that roster. Uh, two 1,000-yard receivers are off the team as well, and the, the number one tight end is with the uh, Giants right now, Ryan Jones. So you're replacing – I always use the number 97% just because it sounds right. Like literally <laughs> about 97% of your production from yeah. passing, running, uh, catching the football offensively. Also, the Bagman showed up and grabbed uh, Nashad Strother, offensive lineman from Oregon. So uh, Oregon uh, paid him a bunch of money and he is mm -hmm. out there now. We needed Jeff Trailer to shut that down for us, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so that hurts as well. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm going a lot on last year just to say, expect you got two things. You got all the losses, and you also got Mike Houston entering year five, which you think, okay, mm -hmm. you got your OC, your DC. It should be pretty stable, right? Should be building something. Should be keep getting better, and maybe they will. Maybe they'll get uh, better defensively, but offensively i'm very very nervous uh, about what it's going to look like uh key players again the quarterback mason garcia if he wins the job uh he has been touted as the guy for a long time now so we're we're waiting to see what he can do uh running backs one of my favorite guys rajay harris uh suffered a major injury last year he hopefully will be back but if he's not we've got some very talented running backs marlon gunn um and some freshmen that mike houston's excited about Receiver-wise, Jalen Johnson's a transfer from Georgia who had his moments last year. Uh, if he can stay healthy and active, he could be our number one this year. Uh, good tight end with Shane Calhoun. So there's a few weapons there, and, and we're waiting to see who else is going to step up as because you've got a lot of, lot of shoes to fill at the receiver position. So I think those are some battles we're going to watch in fall camp as well. Did Houston hit the portal pretty hard with all those losses coming up last year, or kind of building it in-house? A lot of... I'd say more so in house, really. Um, now they're, I don't, they I don't hate it. It's just rare of, these days, you know. Yeah, well, I say that they added a couple of receivers. So we hit big mm -hmm. on a receiver last year from Toledo, Isaiah Winstead, and we've added Ryan King from Georgia Tech, and uh, I believe another receiver from the portal as well. So, and I said now I think to, of all the portal guys, you got two offensive linemen from the same team, a Mac school. I'm trying to remember if it was Akron or Toledo. I think Akron. Uh, so yeah, there's been some portaling going on, but no, like the, all the guys I, I named were guys he recruited and that he has kind of built up. So, um, it's, I guess it's been a mix, but yeah, uh, there have been some additions via the portal. Yeah. And like offensive scheme, I, I think they've kind of been spread it out quasi air raid kind of offense last couple of years. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, but if Mike Houston does what he wants to do, he would like to run the football, play defense, play conservative. So okay. um, with a veteran quarterback like they had and some high-powered receivers, they, you know, we we did kind of chunk it. But um, 
we went to the running game a lot too with Keaton Mitchell, who bailed us out of a lot of a lot of jams. So I think you'll if Mike Houston had his way, he would like to run the football more, and maybe he will. Mason Garcia can really run as a quarterback. So um, kind of a spread run type of deal, you know, that maybe you'll see. Cool. And then on the defensive side, how are things looking this year? So it's strange. Let me pull it up from last year. The defense was not good numbers-wise, but in all our losses, I felt our offense let us down more so than the defense. Yeah. Uh, secondary got torched last year and been a bit of an overhaul there uh, with a mix of uh, portal and and guys stepping up. Um, it, the safeties are back and, and two good playmakers with Tegan Wilk and Julius Wood, uh, maybe maybe the strength of the defense. Uh, we got to get better at linebacker D line. Mike Houston, when he first got here, uh, just started piling up defensive linemen and we're starting to to see that pay off a little bit. So, you know, run defense was was pretty solid last year. Pass defense was not. Um, um, you know, somebody's got to play defense in this league, and maybe it'll be <laughs> us. Maybe that'll be our calling card as yeah. we try to get the, uh, the young quarterback going. I say young. He's been around a long time, the inexperienced mm-hmm. quarterback mm-hmm. going. So I think we are going to rely quite a bit on the defense this year to keep us in games and, and hope the offense can do something late. Yeah, I just pulled up y'all's schedule right now. It's my first time seeing it. And first off, I think y'all's out of conference is like ideal. Like if I was an ECU fan, I think this is what I'd want. A trip to Michigan. Then you got two regional G5 teams. You got Marshall at home, App State and Boone. And then you get your FCS game against Gardner-Webb, which I think is in North Carolina, right? Yeah, yeah. That Uh, seems pretty good on paper. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. And I I like the Marshall game. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess the only complaint would be not having again we you'll see maybe if you follow some ecu folks love playing the acc teams and beating them Uh, so none of them on the docket this year and having a fcs instead of uh maybe a bigger school coming here would be the only complaint i like the schedule i think Mm -hmm. it's cool to have uh app state and marshall on the schedule and then i don't mind uh you know playing a big road game like that once every now and then we don't have I don't know if we have another one of those scheduled uh, in the future. It's a lot of regional and uh, it'll be cool. We got like Wake Forest coming up home and home. We got a really, mm-hmm. we got Boise state home and home. And oh, that's fun. So yeah. That'll be fun. So yeah, it's like two yeah. of the best fan bases out there. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And Michigan is uh kind of an outlier, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, little, little test week one in Ann Arbor. Yeah. You, you guys have gotten ACC schools to come play pretty often yeah. in Greenville, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's no, great. And I think uh, state, NC State is on the, the docket for the future, but mm-hmm. North Carolina uh, is not. And we've had some success against them. And uh, I don't think they have much interest uh, coming back here or playing yeah. up there. So we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah. I mean, as cool as that of conference looks, though, you got first game against Rice. Yikes. It's not, not yeah. very exciting. And uh, yeah, and uh, a dead atmosphere. Skip brought, and I think Rice had some decent years back then, but Skip Holtz, when we were winning championships, would like go to Rice and lose a random game, like even mm-hmm. when we had good teams. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like past bad memories and also just kind of a dead environment that doesn't Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I, I can attest to that. Trust me, I've, I've seen way more games at Rice Stadium than. 99% of Rice alumni. Um, I will say so I'm a big know. fan of their play-by-play guy, JP Heath. We had him on the oh, show. Oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, He is like a stereotypical, like, 
hillbilly cowboys fan or whatever yeah. like yeah. <laughs> country bumpkin he was uh a ball of energy man he was awesome to talk to i love that guy so. yeah and if you haven't connected with the guys from at the roost podcast i highly recommend them they're those dudes are awesome yeah okay. carter and matthew yeah definitely right. check them out yeah uh, stellar podcast um but yeah man so outside of football i always ask the question what other sports is the school interested in good at whatever Easy answer for ECU baseball program, incredible, right? So, yeah. uh, before we talk about some other sports, tell me a little bit about baseball. I mean, have they always been this good? Just kind of a recent development. Uh, they've been good for a long, long time. Yeah. And uh, Cliff Godwin, our our coach, uh, was coached by Keith LeClaire, uh, who passed away from ALS. And LeClaire, like every in- uh, the intro video, every time they take the field, it's a clip of him coming off, I believe, a super regional loss to Tennessee. That the you know the pirates almost won, and he says we will get to Omaha. I can promise you that, and we're still waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. That was twenty some odd years ago. Um, I think like most appearances without a trip to Omaha, oh, um, we hate to hear yeah. that stat every year. Um, but again, Cliff Godwin has us in regionals every year, super regionals just about every year, and uh, it has been a, a very solid program and. Uh, we've got awesome, awesome baseball fans. People get into it, even though it's a non-revenue sport. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm lucky enough to do the PA announcing, so I get nice. an awesome seat to those games, and uh, really cool to be a part of the whole the whole family out there. Yeah, for the UTSA listeners who haven't, you know, seen an ECU baseball game on on Twitter, or whatever, they like pack it out, and they have people out and yeah. the behind the outfield wall, you know, screaming yep. at the outfielders and stuff. So. Well, just a freaking awesome environment, man. It's it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I've been to some awesome uh, football games. Um, I, I, one of our most famous football games, uh, the hurricane came through in 99. ECU was scheduled to play Miami at home, and we had to move the game to NC State, Raleigh. So they played Miami in Raleigh and came back and upset. They had uh, Santana Moss and Reggie Wayne and Clinton Portis and everybody on that. But anyway – I say that I've been to some awesome games, but like having Texas there for a super regional mm-hmm. and they are packed behind the uh, the fence, like 20 deep all the way around, <laughs> plus the stands like that might be the the coolest, you know, ECU sporting event I've been to maybe. Yeah, there was like some drama in that series, but I can't remember what it was. Like I, I just saw Texas fans whining like they always do, but I can't remember what the controversy well, was. I was going nuts because they apparently were singing a song the eyes of texas which I oh right, right, right that and yeah. ecu fans started doing a purple gold chant and texas fans like got really upset about it like somebody even compared it to like talking during the national anthem oh my god and i'm like you're singing the. i'm not gonna curse but like it, it really <laughs> you know growing up in the shadow of chapel hill and the wine and cheese north carolina fans Mm-hmm. I was blown away. Like Texas yep. fans are worse than North Carolina fans. Oh, it man. is nuts. So many similarities there, but yeah, that, that I just like the sense of entitlement is, is nuts. Whenever <laughs> UTSA played in Austin last year and gave them a scare. I mean, it, it was a game start of the fourth quarter and our big tight end Oscar Cardenas was just mossing these like five-star UT players. And uh, some guy in the stands like tapped me on the shoulder. He was like, "Hey, why didn't why didn't UT recruit that guy? Why is that, why is he not playing for the Longhorns?" I was like, <laughs> "You think you're entitled to every player yeah. in the state? That's good." It's like, right. God, it uh, it was nuts to see, man. Like we uh, 
please everybody bow your heads while we <laughs> yeah take your take your cap off yeah what kind of world are we in here what do y'all think <laughs> yeah. that's crazy well outside of baseball any other sports uh of note that have been traditionally strong or are really hot right now um well uh women won the aac tournament last year nice. uh women's For basketball, basketball. Mm-hmm. uh so kim mcneil doing an awesome job and that was exciting to see. They have uh, that was their first tournament appearance since like '07, I believe. Uh, so that was really good to see. And I don't think it was fluky. They had a good regular season, not good enough to make it as an at-large, but maybe a WNIT spot or something. So I think mm-hmm. she's really got something rolling there. Um, unfortunately, my favorite sport is basketball, mm-hmm. and uh, we are terrible at it every year. But I always have hope, and uh, we got some good players that we can maybe talk about at a later date. But, um, you know, Mike Schwartz is the coach, assistant from Tennessee, and they are – it has been a, a graveyard, uh, Minji's Coliseum. I guess like one NBA guy, and it was probably before your time, Blue Edwards, who played for the Utah Jazz, is our only claim to fame for basketball. So I want basketball to be good. It is just not um we had you guys have lacrosse out there women's lacrosse all right we won't see you there (laughs) um so yeah i mean soccer like i I wouldn't say we i'm trying to think maybe on i don't know track and field we we're pretty good at uh the outdoor events stuff like Mm -hmm. that but um yeah nothing our, our our best sport would definitely be baseball at this point followed by uh women's hoops i believe yeah North Carolina is such a strong state for college basketball. Like, what what holds ECU back there? Or is it a great unknown? I think it goes back to when we really, even before my time, decided to, hey, let's be a football school. Mm -hmm. Like, let's put our resources there and be, and and that's going to be our thing. And basketball was neglected and is still kind of neglected. It's just, maybe trying to be changed but it feels like we're just digging out of a hole and uh it's just a bit of an afterthought and some of it goes back too to all the people that are unfortunately fans of the blue bloods duke or carolina come Mm -hmm. basketball season and Mm -hmm. and say and we'll see you again in baseball and it's kind of sad uh but there's a lot of people like that and it's very frustrating but uh yeah i think it's uh a factor of like you said there's got to be some good players to go around you would think right Right. like because duke recruits nationally anyway they don't get Mm -hmm. a lot of carolina Mm -hmm. guys uh guys from north carolina but yeah it's uh been a tough nut to crack for yeah well y'all are probably still better than utsa so you can take whatever solace that i'm not gonna bet on that we'll see yeah yikes (laughs) we we have like done so little basketball coverage it's 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 sad it's it's a sad time but Hopefully things will change in the future. I don't yeah. know. I'm not holding my breath. I'm like, I'd rather see like hyperspeed investment in baseball at this point. Cause like we have such a great coach. We've got a talented roster. Like San Antonio is a great baseball city. Like people think San Antonio is a basketball city because the Spurs, but it's just right. a Spurs city. Like people yeah. like don't really like, you know, play basketball like that or like follow outside of the Spurs. But do y'all have uh, a gym or do you play basketball in Alamo Dome too? No, we have a gym i would not call it an arena it's uh I'll, I'll tell you this much like for the high school basketball playoffs they only play the first round playoffs i don't know on campus stadium and then after that they move to other city facilities you know right. so it's like it's so bad you can't even host like a 
quarterfinal <laughs> for high school basketball. It's yeah. really embarrassing. There's like no amenities. Uh, it's rough. It's really rough. Well, uh, our gym is nothing to write home about, but uh, it is good enough to host an Eastern Regional final in high school. So we got that on you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, bravo. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's it, it's from my understanding, it's pretty low on the list of priorities for UTSA for good reason. But yeah. uh, I wonder how that changes when you got like Penny Hardaway coming to the combo and it's on TV. I don't know. But that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Well, Clip, anything else about ECU Greenville? Anything else? That, oh, I have a question I forgot to ask earlier. I've heard the tailgating scene, the credible ECU. What's, what's yeah. it like? No, yeah. And we, um, uh, when we had you on the show, a lot of folks were excited to hear you say the same about UTSA. Mm-hmm. So it really is uh, just a sea of, of tents and cars and, and cookers and uh, people cooking a pig before the game. Or, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> burgers, wings, whatever. Like, nice. Uh, unfortunately, um, a lot of people don't make it in. Mm-hmm. because they tailgate so hard mm-hmm. and so like we host a pregame show on pirate radio and we go off the air right before kickoff so then we ride to the game and like we park and as we walk the game's already going on it's kicked off mm-hmm. and there's still freaking parties going on everywhere as we walk up to the stadium so um yeah you'll definitely uh enjoy that and it was cool to hear that y'all have a fun tailgating scene as well Mm-hmm. yeah definitely I, I think people will be shocked if they make the trip to san antonio a little uh not only like the, the quality of the setup but just like the scale of it like how many tailgates there are is, is nuts i still haven't seen anything in the g5 level that compares but i think uh ecu would, would probably get yeah. a run for the money so we're yeah. looking forward to uh checking it out once the day comes but any other thoughts observations you'd want to share with you two say fans about ECU? Nah, look I, I love mixing it up on twitter and i'll say if uh if you're your folks like to do that. You'll find plenty of ECU people to do it with <laughs> and some that'll joke with you, some that'll take it too seriously. Yeah. Uh, but we are a very passionate group. I think that's why you'll enjoy being in a league with us because we do have a very passionate, active fan base. It's not going to be like, uh, I don't know how many Tulsa fans you're going to find out there mm-hmm. to mix it up mm-hmm. with or or some other schools. But uh, if, you, if, if you find that sort of thing fun and want to get into some sparring matches when – our teams are about to play. Uh, you'll find plenty, um, and I'll even uh, I'll give you uh, I'll give you some names uh, to go after oh, just, to, just to have some fun. But uh, nah, it's uh, we we take it serious, man. We uh, for for G five or little school or whatever you want to call us, like we take the athletics very seriously and it's mm-hmm. important to a lot of people so mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome uh careful what you wish for because man UTC fans are nuts and <laughs> you hear you hear so much about like the UCF Twitter mafia like all everyone I've talked to coming to the AC they're like oh yeah you know UCF Twitter or whatever and I don't think that we're at that level but one more season like we just had and it's gonna get ugly you already see people talking about you say the big 12 you know it's it's nuts man yeah um but it, it's entertaining to follow. I was like, I don't want to follow them and see them on my timeline. Like, I like when people just screenshot and send it to me. So, like, I don't have to get involved, but I still get the entertainment aspect, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. All right, Clip, it's been a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you coming on. And I'm, I'm sure we'll be doing more shows together in the future for probably for years to come. So, uh, thanks again for introducing the Pirates to UTC fans and, and yourself. And uh, if you're brave enough to share your Twitter handle and, and where people can find your coverage, you know, please feel free. Yeah, at Tweeting Clip, C-L-I-P, Tweeting Clip. And uh, uh, follow us on Pirate Radio as well. Do a lot of uh, video stuff. And and so, uh, yeah, we're going to have fun, man. Uh, 
I love mixing it up. And uh, and I love that you guys are into your football uh, like we are. So I hope uh, that game in San Antonio will be a good one this year.